Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. In the six verses within our text today, we have three of what I would argue are many, and I would even say numerous proofs in Scripture as to why it is that the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. Wow, Pastor, you're pretty dogmatic. You better believe that I am. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of First Thessalonians. In today's message, Pastor J.D. discusses what he believes are three proofs as to why the rapture will happen before the seven years of tribulation. However, he also reminds us that what we believe about the rapture is not a salvation issue. When you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are His forever. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he begins his message, Pre-Tribulation Rapture Proof. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and our text will be verses 13 through 18. The Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, is writing to the church there in Thessalonica and says, verse 13, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. You're still going to grieve, but not like those who don't have hope. And here's why, verse 14. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. This is the gospel. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him, again speaking of death. According to the Lord's word, verse 15, We tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, verse 17, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, verse 18, 
encourage one another with these words. Wow. So, probably goes without saying, and I can see the look on all of your faces as I was just reading that passage. Like many of you, I'm sure, I've really been looking forward to this particular passage. And I think for what would be deemed obvious reasons, chiefly because of the specificity with which the Apostle Paul, by the Spirit of God, writes to this church concerning the sound doctrine of the rapture of the church. In the six verses within our text today, we have three of what I would argue are many, and I would even say numerous proofs in Scripture as to why it is that the rapture has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. Wow, pastor, you're pretty dogmatic. You better believe that I am. But pastor, with all due respect, uh, the doctrine of a pre-tribulation rapture is not a matter of salvation. That's correct. However, and there is a however, while it may not be a matter of salvation, it is most certainly a matter of sanctification. And I'll explain why and how I get there. The impact that this truth, this sound doctrine of a pre-tribulation rapture can impact our lives in a profound way. Listen to what the Apostle John wrote in his first epistle, the third chapter, verses 2 and 3. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And then he says this, All who have this hope in Him purify themselves, just as He is pure. In other words, those who have this hope live with the anticipation, even the expectation of the imminence of the Lord's return at any time. What do they do? Those who have this hope in His appearing, what do they do? Oh, they purify themselves. They get their affairs in order. They get ready and they are ready because He can come at any time. See, if I believe that somehow the church goes through part of or even the entirety of the seven-year tribulation, you in effect, and you'll forgive me for the bluntness, 
with which I say this, but you'll have to rip out pages in your Bible with verses like this one and many others with it as well. What I want to do today is look at three proofs. And I use that word proof. I know it's a strong word. And by the way, conspicuously absent from any teaching on the rapture will be this word theory. It's no theory. It is truth. It is doctrine. It is sound doctrine. And what I want to do today, and please forgive me, I know that I am very passionate about the pre-tribulation rapture, and I'll try to do my best. I asked the Lord while we were worshiping to just temper me, and that's kind of a tall order (laughs) sometimes, I think. But just to settle me in this regard, I realize that this is a very, uh, well, let me just say it like this, since this is the service that gets uploaded to YouTube. There are many who will take issue and do with any teaching about a pre-tribulation rapture. And the vitriol, the, the uh, viciousness um, is really grievous. And so what I want to do is just say, especially for anyone watching online, you know, let's just agree to disagree agreeably, okay? But as far as the Word of God is concerned, and the passage that we have before us today, I want to show you why it is that the rapture absolutely has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. Here's the first one. It's because it's the trumpet call of God. Now at first read this would seem sort of inconsequential. I mean, here's this, I guess you might say, even nebulous detail that we're told that there's going to be this trumpet call, but it's the trumpet call of God. Notice in verse 16 where Paul says that there will be this loud command, and with it the voice of the archangel, and, very important, the trumpet call of God. Okay, pastor, how does this prove that the rapture is before the seven-year tribulation? Because in Scripture there are two trumpets. There's the trumpet of angels for Israel, and the trumpet of God for the church. And please, please, please make that distinction. A lot of people get into a lot of trouble concerning the sound doctrine of a pre-tribulation rapture when they fail to distinguish between the church and Israel. And in fact, I'll take it further and say that a false teaching known as replacement theology, which replaces Israel with the church as God's elect, 
that false doctrine, that false teaching, is roommates with the other teachings concerning the rapture, the false teachings concerning the rapture. Because you see, if the church replaces Israel, then you are forced to put the church in the tribulation. Why? Because the purpose of the tribulation is for the salvation of the Jewish nation. And when you fail to make that distinction, then (laughs) you're basically putting the church in the tribulation. What's the purpose of putting the church in the tribulation? The church is already saved. The bride is already saved. Why would the bride need to go through the, the tribulation? No, it's for Israel. So you have the trumpet sound of angels, which is for Israel, and you have the trumpet sound of God, which is for the church. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, speaking of the second coming, and he's speaking to the disciples concerning Israel. Listen to what he says. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Notice all the tribes. This is the second coming. Every eye will see. And he will send his angels, <laughs> not even an archangel, just his angels, with a great sound of a trumpet. That's the trumpet for Israel and they will gather together his elect Israel from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's the distinction. In the letter to the Thessalonians, Paul makes it very clear that it is not the trumpet of angels for Israel. This is the trumpet call of God for the church. Here's the second one. And I know this might seem like a firm grasp of the obvious, but the second proof in our text of a pre-tribulation rapture is that we're caught up in the air. I want to draw your attention to verse 17. This is actually where the word rapture is in the Bible. If you have a Latin Bible. Anybody have a Latin Bible here today? Raise your hand. Nobody? Nobody? I had an online member last time I mentioned this uh, from Romania uh, post a comment and said, in our Romanian language, it's the word rapture. So anybody have a Romanian Bible? The word rapture is in the Bible, depending on the language of the Bible you have. Now in the English language, it's translated with two English words, caught up. Harpazo in the Greek, raptoro in the Latin. And it means to be caught up with great force and great speed. Raptured up, snatched away, quickly. That's what the word means. So back to verse 17. Paul says, we who are still alive and remain will be raptured up 
to meet the Lord in the air. And oh, by the way, we will not precede those who died in Christ, because the bodily resurrection is first. The dead in Christ rise first. I might need to uh, maybe explain this quickly, if you'll just bear with me. But the best explanation I ever heard concerning this was the analogy of a light bulb, okay? So the light bulb burns out. What do we do? We take it out, put it in the rubbish, goes back to the earth from where it was created. What happens to the electricity? It goes back to its source. What happens to the light? It's ceased. We are like that light bulb. When we die, our body, like the bulb, goes back into the ground, dust to dust, from where it was created. The electricity, like the spirit, back to its source. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord in spirit. What happens to the light? (laughs) That's the soul. It's deceased. And it will again live for all eternity when we have our glorified bodies and when the bodily resurrection takes place, which is first, then they get their new bodies. And then we, Paul writing to the Corinthians in chapter 15, verses 51 and 52, will put off our old bodies, I cannot wait, put off corruptible, and we put on incorruptible in the twinkling of an eye, which by the way, I went, maybe we'll talk about this in chapter 5, but it's a fraction of a nanosecond. That's how quick it's going to be. We who are alive and remain when we get our new body. So the bulb is the body, the electricity is the spirit, and the soul is the light. And what Paul is saying is that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. That's their bodily resurrection. Well, where are they now? Well, in spirit, they're with the Lord. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Well, then they're going to get their bodies first. That's fine. (laughs) And then we who are alive and remain will get our new bodies in the twinkling of an eye, and we will meet them in the air. Now, you're asking me the question, because I can read your minds. Just a moment. Something's coming in right now. Oh, wow. Oh, my. (laughs) How does this prove that we're going to be caught up, raptured up, harpazo, whatever you prefer, prior to the seven-year tribulation? I'm so glad you asked, because I'm going to give you the answer. The reason it proves a pre-tribulation rapture is because Jewish bridegrooms would come as a thief in the night at an hour that nobody knew, and they would abduct their bride, take them away. That's what Jesus is saying here. You know, it's been a few years since I've done this, and so I thought after seeking the Lord it would be appropriate today to once again talk about this. Uh, It is to me one of the most convincing and compelling proofs 
of the pre-tribulation rapture, and it has to do with ancient Jewish wedding customs. It's typology. It, it paints this magnificent and beautiful picture of a pre-tribulation rapture. I hope you understand that when Jesus is speaking to His disciples, He is speaking to them, and they would have understood it, by the way. He's speaking to them as a bridegroom would speak to His bride. What I want to do is share with you, this is actually an abbreviated explanation of the typology specific to why the rapture absolutely has to happen before the seven-year tribulation. I'm going to go quickly. Stay with me. In the Jewish wedding, it's a marriage covenant, ketubah, and it's made in writing for the bride as a promise to the bride that it will be fulfilled with our wedding. It's a new covenant, and it's made in writing in the written Word of God for us as the bride, and the old covenant promise is fulfilled. They would then break bread and drink from the cup to seal the betrothal, kiddushin, This is the betrothal, the the new covenant, marriage covenant. With our wedding, he breaks bread and drinks from the cup at the Last Supper, sealing his new covenant in his blood. What if I told you that every time we partake together of the communion table, as we do on the first Sunday of the month, we are celebrating our betrothal, to our bridegroom, Jesus the Christ. This is how they would seal it. The bridegroom, now we have the written covenant, and the bridegroom would then give the cup to the bride, and then she would drink from the cup as if to say, I will marry you. Will you marry me? I will marry you. I accept. And they would eat from the bread. That's how they would seal the betrothal of this new marriage covenant. With the Jewish wedding, the groom pays the price, mohar, showing the bride his love for her. With our wedding, Jesus paid the price, (laughs) cost him everything, on the cross. The early churches had a lot to learn about Jesus. His life, death, and resurrection was still a fairly recent event when they were established. And many of the books of the Bible you have to date weren't yet written. Pastor J.D. has been walking with you through one such book, a letter penned by the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonian church. This letter was meant to encourage as well as teach, and it continues to do so today. As you were listening, you may have realized that you too have more to learn about Jesus and how He can change your life. If you have any questions or are ready to take steps toward salvation, we want to invite you to visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. Pastor J.D. has simplified the gospel into the ABCs of salvation. These are the basics that everyone needs to know. 
Just click the link on our website and you'll see how easy it is to begin a brand new relationship with Jesus. Know that we're praying for you too here at In Spirit and Truth. We'd love to hear from you and we're available if you have any more questions about faith. Just click on the contact form under About at our website and you can email us using the form there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you join us for our worship services. Bring your friends and family along too. It's a great time of fellowship and learning about God. Find out more about Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for being part of our time here today, and we hope you'll tune in again to continue studying the book of 1 Thessalonians right here on In Spirit and Truth. Holding me true